Hi, I'm Pam Line Miller. Welcome to this issue of Future Foodcast. We are a community of industry experts, food technologists, and food enthusiasts talking all about the future of food. Future Foodcast is sponsored by Farm to Plate, the brainchild of Paramount Software Solutions. Farm to Plate is a software company committed to creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. And with that, I would love to introduce our guest for our podcast today, Travis Day. He is the executive director of the New Mexico Chili Association. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pam. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited to have you. And I want to talk all about the food, the Chile Association. You have a lot going on there. But first of all, you you also work, you have another job too, <laughs> where you, that that you work in the chili industry. Tell us a little bit about all that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm uh, wear many hats. Um, so yeah. my first role, of course, executive director of the New Mexico Chile Association. And then my family also owns a chili operating business here in New Mexico, where, you know, we uh, grow, harvest and process chili um, here in New Mexico and ship it across the country. So I get to see chili from, you know, the business side to uh, the political side and everything in between. Wow. And and there's a lot going on. I mean, the chili from New Mexico is really known worldwide. And um, such, I know that you've had to work, the association has worked really hard to identify that and put some processes in place. Can you tell us? What Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, New Mexico leads the nation in chili production. I mean, we've led the nation for over the past 20, 30 years. Um, and so we, as an association, our whole job is to ensure that we continue to lead the nation. And we do that in a number of different ways um, through advocacy, you know, marketing, you name it. And then we kind of get involved in it. And we have some really strong initiatives happening coming up in 2023 that we're excited about and we think is really going to help our industry out. Because we do, you know, when you hear New Mexico Chile, it, it means something to everyone across the nation and even on an international scale. You know, everyone has what I like to call that chili story, you know, and, and that could really be anything, you know, from, you know, growing up, you know, picking chili or, you know, having chili at Thanksgiving, everyone has that story, you know, what shows what chili really means to them. And, and it's really our job to ensure that people continue to be able to tell their chili story. Yeah. And I, we have our own chili story. My husband and I, he spent a lot of his younger years in New Mexico and loves chili from New Mexico. They are particular. And so we totally understand that and are really excited about what you do as an association. Now, what are some of the things that you do do? Because you you have lobbying and other events that you do. Can you explain to us what you do as the executive director? Absolutely. Yeah. So my entire job is to basically run the association and, and work for our chili farmers, processors, um, and all of our membership. Um, you know, what's interesting about our membership is we see everything from, you know, in the field all the way through to the value added side. So we have members represent the entire sector within our industry. And so we see, you know, chili from start to finish. Um, but one of my biggest jobs is advocacy and ensuring that our membership continues to do business and has the ability to grow here in New Mexico. And that looks very different, you know, depending on the day. So we usually hit about 30 events a year and just advocate for the industry, you know, festivals, judgings, you know, fairs, county fairs, you name it. We're typically at those events, just promoting our association and promoting our memberships because that's where we get in front of consumers. And we want consumers to feel confident, you know, that they're going to continue to be able to have chili on their plates. They're going to continue to be able to enjoy it and that our industry is not going anywhere. 
So that's, you know, definitely one of my favorite jobs. And, you know, every year New Mexico puts on the Hatch Chili Festival. You know, it's a national, uh, nationally known event. And we set up a booth every year and just promote our association, promote our members and talk anything and everything chili with consumers. And it's interesting because we're in small town, you know, Hatch, New Mexico, population of about 2000 people. And this event sees over 15,000 people every year um, come in and and one story I always like to tell is um, one individual came up to our booth and said, hey, I flew in from Hawaii just for today to be able to get our New Mexico chili because we love it that much. Oh my God. And so that's, you know, whenever we talk about, you know, marketing of New Mexico chili and, and what that really means, it, it means something to people, even in Hawaii, you know, yeah. for an individual to fly in for one day just to buy his sack of, you know, green New Mexico chili. That tells me that, you know, our demand is higher than it's ever been. Um and, you know, our farmers are, you know, just as passionate today as they were 30 years ago. Yeah. And we're going to continue to see that. Yeah. Um, our association. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, good. Um, you know, so we also, you know, deal a lot with regulatory side of things. So we work with a lot of state agencies, uh, the New Mexico Department of Agriculture, the United States Department of Agriculture, um, to get involved in any regulatory issues or rulemakings that may impact our membership. Along with, you know, policy development um, at the national and state level. So essentially, my job is to get involved in anything and everything that impacts our membership and the chili industry here in New Mexico. Yeah, it sounds like it uh, talk about wearing a lot of different hats professionally, but also even just within the association as executive director, you're trying to get get that branding known to the consumers. And that takes a lot of different forms, like you were saying, getting involved yes. in events like judging or just even the festival you were talking about. Uh, obviously, it's working if you have people flying in from Hawaii to get their chili from New Mexico. <laughs> that, uh, that definitely is really working. But the industry is changing or how your farmers are having to work is changing. And so you've had to do a little bit of work there to try to continue the cultivation of the chili there in New Mexico. What is some of the work that's being done? Absolutely. Yeah. So we work every year with the New Mexico State University research team um, within their ag department to, you know, really provide innovation within our industry. Um, because we believe as an association, technology is the future of our industry to meet the challenges that we're facing. So, you know, we work a lot with researchers to develop new varieties of chili for drought tolerance, disease tolerance. Right now, um, we've worked on developing a chili variety that is made for mechanized harvest um, to address labor shortages. And we feel that that's one step forward to really grow our industry. Um, as I go out and talk to our memberships, you know, and our farmers and ask them, what is your top issue you're facing right now? And it's the same answer across the board, and that's labor shortages. And again, we're not unique in that. I think just um, across every sector, we're seeing labor shortages, but it's really hitting our guys. Um, at the ground level, um, when it's coming to get, you know, comes to getting chili out of the field, you, right, you know, in 2021. The, the, well, the just for our listeners that might not know, I mean, the way to harvest the chili has been people going out and correct. actually picking the chili off of the plant. Correct. Yeah. So the typical um, harvest um, looks, you know, a lot of people out in the field with buckets. Essentially, they pull that, you know, individual fruit off of the plant and then they actually pull the stem off, put it in the bucket, and load it up. That's a traditional way to do it. And it's been done that way for, for many years. Um, and it's just over time, we're seeing less people in the field, less people that want to um, come in and do those labor intensive positions. You know, and, and a lot of that, I think, you know, we're seeing a you know generational shift in the workforce. Um, we're seeing a lot of millennials move into the workforce. And, you know, a lot of them just don't want to do those labor intensive positions. They're looking for more technology driven jobs. 
Um, and so over time, we're just going to continue to see this decline. Some of our memberships work through what's called the H-2A program. It's a federal migrant worker program okay. um, to where they actually bring, you know, workers from, you know, South America, Africa, just around the nation to come and actually work for them on a work visa. Uh, and that works for a lot of our corporate guys, but the smaller, you know, mom and pop farm operation can't sustain, you know, the increased expenses of when you consider housing, transportation, medical um, expenses, they can't sustain that. So they have to look at different avenues to get their crops out of the field. And we're excited um, to have a machine being developed right here in New Mexico that would actually harvest a chili. Um, so we're not having to rely on, you know, the traditional methods of harvest. Yeah. And what's different about the, you've talked about research with the university and what's different about the chili plant that you've been able to create essentially, or Absolutely. what's different about it from the traditional plant that helps make it more accessible to mechanized harvest? Yeah. So Dr. Stephanie Walker at New Mexico State University, she created what's called New Mexico Odyssey. And again, this is a variety that's made for mechanized harvest. And it really comes down to the structure of the plant. So a traditional chili plant looks essentially like a bush, low to the ground, you know, grows more lateral versus vertical. And what Odyssey does actually creates a plant that's more of a tree shape. So you have a lot longer stem um, and then more of a tree canopy for the plant where the machine can actually get out from under it. And, you know, as it runs through the um, cyclones, it actually picks the chili right off. And as we've seen this machine being developed over time, the issue we ran into was, well, you can get one harvest off of it. So the machine would go through and it essentially destroy the plant where you only got one picking. Um, and for our, a lot of our guys, you know, they're getting two, sometimes three pickings a year off of the same, you know, acreage. And so that was an issue we had addressed very early on. And, and now we're able to have a machine that you can go through two, three times a year and it doesn't destroy the plant. Um, wow. So that's just a technology we're seeing happening right now within our industry. That is a huge development, though, because that is really going to help with the labor situation. Plus, then you've answered about destroying plant. I know all things are still in development, but that just sounds really promising, Travis, for the future of being able to manage um, the yield. It is absolutely, you know, and, and it's one that we've been talking about for the last 20 years. Mechanized harvest is not a new concept to our industry, but one that we've just run into hurdles over the past years that we just couldn't overcome. And now we're finally at a point where, you know, from the, you know, engineering side of it, we've got it figured out from the biological side, we've got it figured out. Now it's just being able to take the genetic side of it, find those markers um, within Odyssey and be able to transfer those and breed those into, you know, your New Mexico 64s, your New Mexico big GMs, more of your typical chili varieties, where eventually as an industry, we can move to where any plant in New Mexico can be harvested by a machine. Wow. And that would be a, a huge, I know it's a process to get to that point, but as you move there, I mean, things should really be improved because I, I think you were talking about your yield has changed too as, as you've moved through time. If you would tell us a little bit about that. It, it has. Um, if you look at, you know, just the numbers themselves, back in the 1990s, New Mexico harvested about 33,000 acres of chili statewide. Fast forward, um, 2021, we had about 8,700 acres of chili harvested in New Mexico. So pretty significant drop yeah. um, and very drastic. But in reality, that doesn't, those numbers don't tell the whole story. Because okay. um, over time through research, we're seeing a lot uh, more yield come off per acre. And so, yes, acres are dropping, but yields per acre have gone up significantly. Um, you know, in the 90s, they were maybe getting two tons of chili off of an acre, where now we're seeing, you know, 20,000 pounds of chili come off of an acre. So really significant increase. Um, and that's the reason we've been able to continue to dominate the market nationwide. 
Yeah. And so maybe there's a little bit of a trade-off there just with how things are changing. But, um, and you talked about the workers, which having Mm -hmm. things mechanized will really help with that. But also with drought conditions in some areas and conversations, I'm using that word loosely about water rights. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The challenges you're having there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting because I went to um, a water rights class and the first thing the instructor said was there's things like rocket science that are hard. And then there's things that are at a much higher level of, you know, difficulty and water law fits within that. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> so, so water is a very difficult topic to talk about here in New Mexico. And it's because we've been in a drought and we have, you know, every sector competing for water here in New Mexico. You know, if you look at our guys below Elephant Butte Dam along the Rio Grande, they're paying for 36 inches of water allocations every year. But last year, they only got eight inches. And so that's equivalent to, you know, a homeowner in a municipality, you know, asking for uh, paying for 100 gallons of water, but only being allowed to use 18. Just to put in perspective for for people, that's what our farmers are facing. Um, And so our guys are doing everything they can to, you know, make the most use out of their water. And so, you know, a lot of our folks are putting in drip systems, um, converting, you know, concrete line ditches into, you know, closed pipelines, just to increase their efficiency and, and maximize the use of the water that they do get. Okay. Sounds like that might be the next like technological advances the best use of uh, the minimal amount of water, how you can get the most out of that. Um, and, and they're already making strides in that area. But yeah, that's definitely a challenge. Um, yeah. And, you know, right now in New Mexico, we have this, you know, kind of lingering issue and it's called Texas v. New Mexico. And it's it's this big federal lawsuit, you know, about Rio Grande compact water delivery. And and we're expecting to see some settlements come out here in the next month or so. And, and policy is really going to be developed based on the decision and settlements of that lawsuit. And so one that we're watching pretty closely, I'm ensuring that, you know, agriculture here in New Mexico continues to be a priority when it comes to water management. Right. I mean, from, from an outsider, honestly, Travis, when you say paying for 36 inches and only getting eight, I, I want to say, well, that's not right. That's not fair. How is that happening? And and it's hard for those of us outside of the issues to even understand how that can be happening right now. It is. I always like to use the term, everything east of the Mississippi is a water quality issue. Everything west of the Mississippi, it's a water quantity issue. Okay. Um, and, you know, here in the Southwest, we feel that tenfold. <laughs> um, okay. So it's just something that you're dealing with on a regular basis. Well, it once- is. Once you get the chili grown, harvested, and then you have to figure out how to get it out to the retailers and distributed. So how does that work? Yeah, so typically at, uh, 91% of our product grown here in New Mexico goes to the value added side. Um, so, you know, your salsas, your powders, you know, your red chili sauce, that's where, again, 91% of our product goes. And that's all basically dealt with here in New Mexico. We have a number of processors across the state that, um, they, you know, contract out with our farmers and then they actually make those products you see on the shelves at the grocery stores. Okay. And, and again, those are ones that, you know, they ship across the entire nation, even internationally. I had the opportunity to meet with uh, the Secretary of Ag from the United Kingdom. And he was talking about how he's even seen New Mexico chili products in the UK. Oh. And so we really do have an international market that we're dealing with. And, and yeah. a lot of that comes down to the products we're seeing at our processing facilities. 
the other 9% um, goes towards a fresh market. And, and that's really where you feel the cultural side of our industry. Um, as you drive down, you know, in Albuquerque, the main street in Albuquerque, you're down in a hatch, you'll see chili roasters growing during chili season where they're roasting green chili. And that's mm -hmm. where, again, the, the other 9% goes where people are buying freshly roasted chili to take home and freeze. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really the, just the gist of our industry from, um, you know, product side. You will see, you know, Bueno Chili, Louisiana hot sauces, you know, grown and processed right here in New Mexico. Uh, you know, 505, just a number of different products you'll see in Walmarts or Costco's. They're they're grown right here in New Mexico. Yeah. And I I love to roast some chili. I mean, I have bought chilies and opened them up and roasted them and they're delicious. So if any of our listeners and viewers on YouTube haven't actually done that, it is great. You should try it. You should try it. Is the, the, the entire state smells like it, you know, August and <laughs> September. That's what our entire state smells like. Okay. Well, and that could be worse, let me say. <laughs> it, can be. it can be. <laughs> it can be a lot worse. Um, now, one of the challenges I know with distribution, because supply chain and pricing and, you know, the, the pricing on the front end for those that are growing and processing and all of that, the chilies um, have gone up. So how is that working on the back end as they try to distribute to uh, the retailers? Yeah. So we, of course, our industry is not um, immune to any of the, you know, distribution issues, inflation issues. We feel it just like everyone else. Um, and unfortunately, our processors, you know, have to increase our prices, um, which obviously trickles down to the consumers. And so our consumers are having to pay a significantly more. It's about a 10 to 15% increase um, in price for products coming out of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, but the consumer should always, you know, be confident that they're still getting that, you know, strong, you know, product coming out of New Mexico and, and the best chili in the world. You know, of course, I'm a little biased by saying that, but we, uh, we do believe we're producing the best chili in the world right here in New Mexico. And so while prices are, you know, slightly increasing, um, consumers should know that they're still getting that premium product. Well, you know, as you I go think, down to your, go ahead. As you go down to your farmer side of it, you know, our farmers are what we call price takers. Essentially, the processors set the price that they're going to pay for fresh chili and the farmers just have to work with that. Um, that's really what it comes down to just from the economics of the industry. And so where our farmers really feel it is whenever we're seeing, you know, inflated costs of gas, um, fertilizers, um, energy, as those prices go up, for them, there's no increase in the price. They, they take the price that they get. Um, and so they're really having to change, you know, their expenditure structure and and in order to make their bottom dollar just a little bigger. Yeah, that that whole dynamic, I mean, that may have to change as things move forward and have a little bit of uh, give and take there because the suppliers aren't going to be able to survive if they have to keep absorbing those increases in their production costs. Exactly. Well, But everyone is dealing with that. Uh, situation. I mean, that that's really happening across the board. But the thing that is not changing is that I agree with you about the New Mexico chili <laughs> and um, and the sourcing. But but there's you know, the farmers are there. It's it's part of their identity. I mean, they're very take a lot of pride in their product and and what they're providing. And I think I think the association and probably the farmers before the association was as active, you know, are just doing a good job with the branding of the chili because people have heard of it. People know that New Mexico is chili central. Absolutely. You know, it's one where we're in a unique position um, because our demand is the highest it's ever been. And, and that puts us in a good spot mm -hmm. um, as an industry. 
Um, but we're seeing a lot of foreign competition come in that is trying to piggyback off the you know marketing opportunity of New Mexico chili. So we're seeing chili come up out of Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, other states that are actually being marketed as New Mexico chili, just mm-hmm. because you can pay, you know, you can charge a little bit more for that premium product. Mm-hmm. And so as an association, we actually created the New Mexico Certified Chili Program. Um, and it's a trademark that we own that's patented with the U.S. Patent Office. And we allow our farmers and processors to put that trademark on their products um, so then they can you know, show consumers that this is verified, certified New Mexico chili. So we always encourage consumers to look for that trademark because when they see that, they know that they're getting authentic New Mexico chili. And that's just our way to give our membership and, and our chili farmers and chili processors a marketing edge over competitors. Well, and plus that certification, you know, it is saying this does come from New Mexico, especially when you have the copycats out there. So for consumers that might be listening, you need to look for that certification on the product that you're buying if they're claiming to be uh, chili from New Mexico. So that's really, thank you for that, Travis. I appreciate that. Yeah, and um, it's one that, you know, we actually do field audits and, and that's another part of my job is I actually okay. go out and verify any product that uses that. So whenever you do see that logo, it is audited, it's verified New Mexico chili, you know you're getting the good stuff. Yeah, well, great to know. I'm I'm really happy to know that because I didn't know that before and I I could have bought something that wasn't actually from New Mexico and not known it. And now I'm going to be sure to check for that certification uh, on the products that I buy. Well, before we go from our podcast today, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience, Travis? Yeah, you know, I know we continue to talk about those numbers of declining acreage, but I always want to let consumers know our industry is not going anywhere. Um, the culture of growing chili in New Mexico is still strong. Our farmers do it because they love it. It's a passion to them, not a job. And so I just always want consumers to know that our industry is not going nowhere and you're always going to have New Mexico chili on your plates. Yeah. And that's that's good to know. Good consolation. Well, Travis, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Farm to Plate, who is a software company enabling better food supply chain management. You can find out more by going to farmtoplate.io. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 